You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pacers fans, it's time for the weekly show with Tony and Adam. It's so weird that it's weekly because it's on a Wednesday this week, but we had weird scheduling conflicts with lots of stuff and the game schedule being every other day made it hard, but we're finally here together to do our show. Adam, how are you doing? We should let the uh, listener out there know that it was your scheduling issues, not mine. <laughs> I've been free. I've done two podcasts for two straight days. It was oh. your schedule. So this Wednesday podcast, which are recording this Tuesday before the Warriors game, this Wednesday podcast is your fault, not mine. Thank you for clarifying we're recording before the Warriors game because for sure something crazy is going to happen and we're not going to have it in this episode. Um, but yes, I had quite the busy weekend thanks to uh, my parents going on spring break soon and Easter stuff and my brother-in-law passing the CPA and uh, it's my own birthday coming up. So a lot of stuff going on in the East family prevented me from recording a Pacers podcast this week. When's, when's your birthday? I don't actually know this. Uh, I'm not going to tell you. All right. You can text it to me. I just, I, I personally want to know. You can text me. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe get some fan shout outs. If you tell your birthday over there. Oh man. Uh, we might end up recording on my birthday, but we'll see. Okay, so we'll see. You have, to, you have to tell me because I don't, I don't, I wouldn't know when your birthday is. So I will, I will tell you. Um, <laughs> let's move on to some Pacers. Stuff. Let's actually talk about the Pacers. Yes. So coming off a big win over Miami, in which they clinched a playoff spot, which was very exciting. Uh, they will be in Golden State tonight. Adam just referenced. We will. Uh, we were recording before that game because it's at 10:30 p.m. and there's no way we're going to record this long of a podcast at one in the morning. Uh, so we have to just cover the team outside of that. We'll preview the other games this week. We'll have a Warriors recap blended with our Kings preview later in the week. But first thing I want to talk about this week, and Adam also wants to talk about it, is uh, Chris Herring's 538 article about the Pacers. They finally got a huge uh, article on a national spotlight, and it was really good and really interesting because it wasn't just like – it's not just it didn't just say the Pacers are overachieving and they're in the playoffs. It had a nice breakdown of why. Yeah, and it did – sort of the things that you and I like to talk about, it hit, it really was about kind of the Pacers mid-range shooting and how that's they're basically the antithesis of what the NBA has become and it's successful this season. But I enjoyed it. I also enjoyed, he went on Zach Lowe's podcast, you know, the gospel to all NBA fans that they're Zach Lowe. So <laughs> that was a good podcast. I think it came out last I week. But it might have, was it I, good? It, yeah, I was, was listening to it this afternoon, actually. I think it came out last week, but it might have come out early this week. I don't quite remember, but it was really good. He talked about, you know, why he wanted to do on the Pacers and stuff like that. And apparently Zach Lowe was trying to make some time to come to Indiana, do an article, but didn't anything going to this year. So, but I do think this article was just good because it sort of, it sort of brought into the, the limelight. Like we've talked about the Pacers are sort of doing things like they just take a lot of long twos that just seem to go in and it sort of shined the spotlight on it. So yeah, the thesis basically is they're the what's it the anti rockets? Is that what it says? In the, basically, in the that's the thesis of it. They're yeah. just basically they're the anti rockets, and they're leading the league in mid range shooting percentage, and they're first in long mid range attempts, and they're twenty seventh in three point attempts, and they don't shoot a lot of free throws, but they just find a way to manufacture points, and you know, good defense leading to fast breaks, and they hit a lot of those mid rangers. You know, they do a their 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 odd strategies seem to work, and that was it was really cool to see. You know they 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 had really good numbers on it. Chris is amazing at this kind of stuff, and it was just really cool to see it all uh, tied together. Yeah, and I like I said, like you said earlier, it's just good to get a spotlight on this team. Uh, you know, I feel like sometimes with comes the Pacers, I feel like the only people that write about it are honestly eight point nine seconds in, in any cornrows. <laughs> I feel like I, I mean, like you and know, Grant, you, and Grant, yeah, and Grant, and you get the Indy Star stuff, but you don't really. You know, nationally, you know, that used to be a big thing on Bill Simmons' side and, and when he was on Grantland and things like that was you would see a lot of these like in-depth articles, just like the way this one was structured, where they would really kind of pick one data point and really hit it on it and research it. And because these guys have such a bigger media stage, they're able to actually talk to the players and the coaches and get access that, you know, guys like you and me who are sort of more on the blogging kind of outer spheres who get some access, but not the same access a guy from 538 gets. And so it was, it's always cool to kind of see your team in that kind of spotlight because they really get access. Like there's some really good quotes from Thad Young and Nate McMillan in this thing. And you can uh-huh. tell he really got to talk to some of the, the, the people in this organization that we don't really get to hear from a ton. Yeah, that was really cool. I thought it was cool that Thad was the guy who 
who spoke up of all the people on the team, you know, he had his career year shooting the three last year. And then this year it just fell apart. There was also some Al Jefferson stuff, which was funny. Um, but yeah, it was just really good. If you haven't read it and go read it. Um, and, and, you know, it, it was a really like in-depth, just how they are able to score in such unconventional ways. Because if you remember, John Schumann wrote last summer about how it's, it looked like it might be three years now, but two years in a row, they've been top five and three point percentage and bottom five and, three-point attempts so this is a nice look at kind of how that's happening or well, and with Thad Young though you forget remember he is the captain of this team yeah so I do that, that might be why he talked um you know we don't we think of like the the flasher guys in this team is Lance obviously and Vic with his my city thing and then you think of Turner sometimes but Thad Young is kind of I don't want to say like He's almost like the brains behind this team. It feels like he's the kind of guy that kind of can a little under the scenes controls everything and keeps everything kind of running with this team. Cause he, you know, he's not like huge score or anything like that, but he's sort of just kind of the glue guy of this team. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is a random side note that I'm just thinking about. Why do professional basketball teams have captains? Yeah, that's a, I don't know. <laughs> well, why, why does any team have a captain? I guess well, just football, to, football, they do the coin toss, right? So that's uh, it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> the baseball have captains. Uh, hockey does. Hockey does. I know hockey does. They have a little yeah. C in the A. On the I don't know why they do. I mean, maybe it's just like, like a an honorary title thing to be like, well, yeah, like you're the, the veteran the leadership. On your, in the NFL, it's on your jersey too. Like, there's just nothing in the NBA. Well, in the NFL, at least on the offensive side, if you have the C, you you get the 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 headset in your helmet. Yeah, yeah. You don't. I think it's honestly an honorary thing. You know, it's like a thing that shows you're kind of you've been in the league a long time. You have experience. You're kind of the guy that's like going to take over this team, and you know. I assume the captain is the guy that calls the team only, the player only meetings when they come, you know, when they have to do that every so often. Ugh. They just had one when they had that four game losing streak earlier this year. I assume that's what the captain does. Yeah. Uh, that had a good weekend of play, too. Maybe he organizes team dinners, too. <laughs> <laughs> we just love to do that. They talk about that a lot. They do a lot of team dinners on the road trips. They go we never out somewhere. I talked about it on this, but I wrote about it. Apparently, uh, Damian Wilkins in his team dinner with Miles uh, was the one who called him soft. So that okay. Was- that's what we were wondering. You, I believe you texted me that. I don't think you said it over on, on the podcast. Know, I don't know if that's like official. That's probably just good speculation, but good connecting the dots I found from someone on Twitter and I researched some myself. I was like, hmm, maybe so. That's interesting. I know. I'm, thank I'm, you, Damian Wilkins, for that parting gift. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying the new, like, angry Miles angry. Turner. Oh. Angry. Just, like, he has more of an edge to him now. It's kind of cool. Yes, and before the heat, or excuse me, before the Clippers game and the Heat game, he was absolutely balling before these two uh, kind of duds. Um, yeah. We'll... <laughs> That's about later. Yeah, I don't know if we'll get that much into it just because he's killing it so much. I'm going to give him more than two games to uh, properly assess him recently. But uh, The Pacers are in the playoffs, Adam, and I didn't get to talk about it. You got through that episode, but now I want to talk about it. It's my turn. Go ahead. I guess it's it, – take, take it over. <laughs> Make this segment yours. Uh, there's not – it's not – it's not a crazy segment. It's just the um, Pacers are in the playoffs, and I'm going to eat crow for, for pinning them at 28 wins. That was dumb. I look like an idiot for that. At least I said 31. <laughs> God, we weren't even close. We, we pinned them to be like a Knicks-level team. Like That just sounds dumb now. And Looking, they're like going to win 45 games at least. Win, at least, yeah. Oh, man. we I, Eating crow, going back for seconds and thirds. It's, I, and prove me wrong every week of the season. They're in the playoffs, and... We talked about this a little before. Uh, it looks like, if I had to guess, they'll be somewhere in the three to six seed range, and even more likely in the four to six seed range, because Philly's schedule is so easy. Excuse me, I just ripped twice in a row. But uh, yeah, I think the race now is for home court, and they're only one game out of th- the third, one win out of the third seed. Um, they're right there. They have this tough road trip coming up, but you know, not looking as tough. We'll talk about that later. Um, but, you know, the, the push for the, the first-round playoff opponent has now begun. Uh, and who would you like to see in the Cleveland, the Cleveland Philly Pacers-Wizards range? Obviously, they're not going to play themselves. Who would you like to see in the first round? I think the obvious answer is Washington. But I think, honestly, the Pacers are probably going to end up in the 4-5 or five game against Philly or Cleveland, would be my guess. Just because there's too many games separating Washington and Cleveland, and there's too many games really separating Philly and Washington. Really, the only chance is... The Pacers either play the 3-6 against Cleveland or play the 4-5 against Philly, be my guess. That would be my guess, too. Um, and the Wizards are floundering. And John Wall will be back supposedly this week, according to my Roto team in fantasy that just got up to third place. So root for me to win it all. But um, 
it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a tight race. Um, Cleveland's won five in a row. Philly's won seven in a row. So the push to get up into that that home court is going to be real tough um, with those teams surging so much and Philly's schedule the rest of the way is super easy. So they're going to have to play really well if they want to get home court. But I, I, I think Washington, if it was possible, would be the team I would most like to play in that group too. Um, if, if John Wall's playing like any semblance of his last year in the playoffs, they'll be a really hard team to beat. But I've seen no reason to think that he'll be playing like that. So I would like to play Washington as well. Yeah, and it takes two weeks to get your conditioning back at least yeah. in the NBA. So that leaves him like basically a, he'll an, be extra, out an extra week. Yeah. yeah. Like when, if he comes back next week or like he's in – basically two weeks to get healthy. And then he's got to kind of find his legs in the playoffs, basically. Yeah, it's going to – that's who I would like to play too. And I think we can agree on the team also that we'd least like to play would be Cleveland because they have the best player of all time. 100%. Can I do something real <laughs> quick about how – the seating real quick? With yes. the seating. So yes. I was breaking – I'm looking at the schedules for Philly, Pacers, Washington, and Cleveland. And basically looked at uh, – Pacers have eight games left. Washington, Philly, and Cleveland each have nine. I was looking at basically how many teams do those teams play left that aren't tanking. You know, either aren't tanking or maybe locked in, not locked into a playoff seed. So with the Pacers, it's five with both Golden State and Toronto up in the air about whether or not they'll actually get to see their full rosters. We can talk about that later. We'll see tonight whether we I mean, we're actually going to miss some Golden State players tonight, and we'll see whether Golden State rest their players next week. With Washington, it's basically they play Boston the Rockets, and maybe a third one when they play with the with the Celtics, but they also play the Sixers. And Cleveland plays four possible non-taking teams, and Philly plays a whopping two. Wow. Philly's is super easy. One of those Philly games is Cleveland, though. That's going to be – that's probably the biggest game left of the year. Yeah, and that could honestly decide whether the Pacers end up in the four seed or not. Yeah. I think Philly plays the Bucks one time, too, which that could decide – if. Philly loses both those games. I would say the Pacers have a decent shot of getting into the four seed because I think Golden State's not going to be at their – they're trying at 100% in either times they play them, which is pretty lucky for the Pacers. Oh, super lucky. And I hate – that. like I'm really looking forward – I was really looking forward to watching Golden State. I just like watching good basketball players. Um, but, you know, from a Pacers perspective, obviously, especially tonight where it looks like no Draymond, Clay, Kevin Durant, or Steph Curry – uh, they could have an easy win with guys like Pat McCaw starting. You, you shouldn't say that right now because we're going to wake up tomorrow morning and they're going to lose by 50. They're going to lose by 50. Yeah, I'm going to look super dumb. Um, but I think they can easily beat Sacramento. I think they can easily beat Charlotte at home and probably on the road too because that's Charlotte's last two games, so they're probably tanking. Uh, going to be firing up the, the World War II tank to try to fall uh, <laughs> a spot in the standings if they can. So really – Depending on these Warriors games, they only have three games left that could be anything, and two of them are against teams, the Clippers and Nuggets, that may be eliminated by the time they play. And the Raptors, when they play them, could have already decided their their number one seed. So, you know, in theory, their their really tough ending to the season could like not be that tough. Yeah, and last time they went on a West Coast swing, they pulled out what three out of five. Yeah, including a they destroyed Utah in Utah. Yeah, so. It seemed kind of concerning. You know, when you look at the records, you put them on like a sheet. Oh, they're playing this many, this team with this kind of win record at the end of the season. But it's really, if you take out Golden State, it's not that scary of a schedule. It's really right. just, it's a lot of teams who are kind of, well, they're not, they're like in this mid-level of where they're not in the bottom eight tanking, but they're not really trying and they're not really that good. And, and if you're kind of bring your probably A minus game, you can still beat them. So, if, okay, it, if, I'm going to hinge it, I'm going to hinge it like this. If, if I think if they beat, one of the Clippers or Nuggets, I think that they get the five seed at the worst. I don't think they can get six if they win that because I think they have enough wins elsewhere to avoid Washington if they can win one of those two games. I think they have to win both Golden State games, though. So. Maybe. I, I think only one. Okay. So if they go, let's say, six and two, six and two probably steals in the five seed, but to be the four seed, they might need to go seven and one. Yeah, I think I think like five and three or four and four gets you the five seed. Yeah, that that's probably true. I was just being on the higher end, but I think seven and one is how you, how you get the four seed. They go four and four. Washington has to go seven and two, and that's hard. Yeah, <laughs> so but I, I think it's almost not that it's impossible. I guess Cleveland could hit another skid, but they're probably not going to get to the three seed, unfortunately. And I think we're going to look back at those Dallas Atlanta games back to back early uh, or in March. I think it was maybe was that both games dude God. we're gonna yeah the first Dallas game depot was hurt you're yeah. gonna look back at those games and think if they had pulled those two out that they would really have a shot 
but it'll be a top three season. It just it was gonna hurt. That's for sure. So painful. They lost to the Knicks that one time. You know that looks bad. I mean, it, it was when the Knicks were actually good. So yeah, but I don't worry about those games that were so early in the season because everything was still kind of up in the air. Yeah. But like the games that were like you based like the Pacers have known since. We're, I don't know, since like basically the all-star break, like where, what they were fighting for. And to lose a game against two of the worst teams in the NBA at that moment, it just really hurts. The Atlanta one was really bad. That's the worst loss of the year, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And then Dallas, it just hurts because they should have won it. Dallas, they <laughs> yeah, won. they had it. Ugh. Yeah. All right, we probably shouldn't gripe about this. We can move on to something else. Yes. The, <laughs> well, the playoff talk will be uh, pretty much every week now. Right, while well, we keep up with the seeding. Yeah, I mean, there's only one more, well, two more weeks till the season ends. We were going to do Detroit Watch, but Detroit just can't put anything together. They did not have a good month. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll have a show probably next Monday or Tuesday, and then by the next Tuesday, the last game has already been played. Yeah, by the next week, we'll probably know a lot more, too, because, you know, if Washington gets hot, we'll have to keep an eye. But if they don't, we'll know. We'll just know. Um, but I want to talk about Sabonis because – the rumor was against the Heat that he was going to be back, and then what happened? A ball boy, right? He, he so Sabonis was warming up before the game, probably an hour or two hours before the game. And there's, there's a video of it online; you can look it up. Everybody that listens to this podcast haven't seen it yet, but basically, he shot some kind of like kind of floater, hook shot, whatever it was. Take a took a step back and rolled his ankle up on the ball boy behind him by mistake. Kind of a fluke thing. I mean, it's just a, knowing to watch. He then slammed his hand on the one of the chairs and watching the locker room, kind of limping. Um, I thought I would only send him back a game or two, but I didn't know whether they were going to try to play him on the road or not and whether they keep holding him out. I don't know. I don't know. You Tonight it says he's doubtful, right? Well, yeah, so, yeah. by the time you hear this podcast, you'll know if he had played or not. But I imagine it, hopefully it didn't send him back too far. Well, so what we saw um, – or sorry, I, I got distracted while I was looking something up. So I thought he was going to play in the Miami game. Now, no. Um but this game he's doubtful for, I'm trying to phrase this well so we don't look stupid either way. Um, <laughs> the perfect he, hedge. Perfect <laughs> hedge. He's doubtful, but Jeremiah Johnson tweeted earlier that he went through a successful practice and shoot around and is a game-time decision, and he was in good spirits when he talked to JJ. So to me, that suggests either he plays tonight or he plays against Sacramento. Um, and I don't know if either of them make more sense than the other for any reason. So I'm not sure, um, but I would guess he'll play against Sacramento. Just ease him into an easy opponent. Yeah, I think you want to play him as not as, like time wise as much as possible, but as many games as possible, so he can get his feet back under him, so that he's good to go for the playoffs. Because he is going to be probably a pretty vital piece off the bench, especially if Turner gets in foul trouble in some games. Like it's gonna, he's gonna be pretty important in the playoffs. He's been like a top ten sixth man. He's just been a good player. So. You always want that back, and his passing has been missed on the second unit. Um, a guy named Lance Stevenson has had more ball handling duties, and that's never a good uh, thing. That's that's never a good thing. Like when Carlson got hurt, <laughs> it was the most that was that was the most frustrating part of Carlson's injury was watching Lance run the offense and thinking this is just this is just pitiful. And, yeah, and it, it's it's different because his pick and roll with Sabonis is one of Lance's best plays, right? So now well, it's, it, it's fine. Lance is trying to make the play, but it's when he's like directing the offense that he's yeah, just terrible. Yeah. So Savonis will help there. Uh, he's been good rolling and kicking and all that stuff. So. Remember when we wanted Point Lance this last last uh, summer? That was, that, for, we were... that was for entertainment only. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't think it would have been very entertaining either, to be honest. <laughs> Watch him off the bench, run that offense as like the point guard. He just he's just he's better off the ball and he's better in like isolated situations. The one in ten games, Lance is good. He's like so good, but the other nine, I'm just biting my biting my lip. But the thing is, if you, if you get one of those games in the playoffs, it's worth it. Yeah, that's a series win, basically. Like that wins the series. Probably does, and if that's why, if the Pacers can get home court, it's more likely to happen. It's more like it happened in like Game Five or Game Seven. They have to get they have to get good Lance for one road game a series, basically. I I, I just can't wait. If it's this year or next year in like a game seven at home where Lance just has an incredible <laughs> game and like either it vaults him into like, oh, we should pay this guy so much money or whatever it is. Like teams like Salvin and trying to pay him or something like that. I just can't oh, wait. I'm already, I'm already lining up for our game seven in Toronto. Lance Stevenson gets into Rosen's head in like the first 30 seconds podcast. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> I, would love, I would love a Toronto series where he just gets inside DeRozan and pisses him off. And DeRozan is not like – not like Michael Jordan, where you can just like turn that into like a great game. The Raptors hate it. That would be awesome. That would be fun. It'd be a great second round series if that happened. <laughs> I agree. Um, if they move on to the playoffs, though, you know who's going to have to play good? 
Oh, I know it's your boy, your favorite <laughs> player on earth. Who? No, pretty... no, we're getting to Boyan later. Oh, oh, my bad. I had it wrong in our, in our rundown. Well, did yeah. I, did I read it wrong? No, you did. This is you. No, I read it wrong this time. You read it wrong Finally. before the show. I've been, you guys missed it, but before the show, I messed up like four times. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be my worst episode of the year. But I got that one right. Um, so we've been talking about Oladipo's regression on his three-point shooting um, a lot recently. And he was 5 of 18 against the Heat and Clippers combined. That's bad. Um, but he was really bad pretty much from everywhere in those games. Yeah, and so his regression has basically been since he got hurt. Yes. So post-injury, he is less than 30% from three. I believe before the injury, he was shooting 43% from three. So that's just some stats that he's just sort of – what's weird is he's fallen off from three, but he's not any less effective in the sense that teams are still trying to like – cater their whole defense to stopping him, setting everybody else up pretty well. Well, that's why uh, the Clippers game was so eye-opening to me because, you know, he's been fine at getting to the rim and scoring and hitting his manager still, but he was not good against the Clippers. Four of 16, um, you know, he and three of his makes were from three. You know, he, he only made one inside the arc shot the entire game. Um, it just didn't look – his shot selection has not looked super great. Thankfully, he's still getting to the line. That's been one of his best uh, skills this whole season, but – you know, two games in a row of missing some inside the arcers is, is not good. That is for sure. He wasn't really that good against uh, Miami either. He had a huge three. In, no, in and overtime, overtime, he was very good, but the rest of the game, he was okay. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, really, he was really on overtime because he did a really nice job of using him as a decoy and basically in overtime to let Darren Collison go off. They did. Like, I we can, I want to hit this for a couple of seconds. It's just the play they ran where basically Old Depot was up top and they sort of they set a pick and like, kind of drew both defenders on him. And then at the, at the same time, Thad Young set a screen for Collison in the corner to get him an open three. was just – I don't expect to see that from McMillan. Perfect pass really, for Miles, too. And it was just a really good play design. Like, yeah. it was just – I I something like you would, like, honestly, you'd see from the Jazz or the Celtics, but the Pacers, like, it, it executed it perfectly. And it was it's really the reason they probably won that game. And I was just – I was honestly super impressed when I saw that happen. So they, they run that a lot, but they executed it perfectly that time. And Oladipo sold that he might be driving, and then Miles rolled hard. Like, all the little stuff happened, and, and wide open three. I mean, just wide open. And they were losing when that happened, right? They were down four. It was such a big shot. I'm, I'm Maybe I'm thinking about the overtime one. There was one at the end of game. Yeah, this Collison. Is, oh, no, they put him up by one. They put him up 101-100. That's what it was. Okay, because there was one in – they ran a couple times with Collison to get him open, but there was one particular one in – I think it was overtime where Depot made the pass, and it was just really oh, well executed. I'm thinking of a miles pass. That's my bad. It's, it were, whatever it is, that, that the fact that we're seeing different things run at the end of games <laughs> versus the, the – I mean, it worked for four or five straight games. The just the Vic pick and roll go to the rim. It worked. I think that stretch they beat Milwaukee twice in Washington. But it, teams are starting to figure it out. But now if they add this wrinkle, they can use that in the playoffs and then still go back to the Vic kind of isolation pick and roll go to the rim play because teams will start kind of realizing they can't just guard only that play. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, you know they got to keep running plays like that with dummy actions on the side and freelance motion if they want Vic to be as effective yeah. as he can. He was good on that play and in that overtime, but the rest of the time is is worrisome. Um, you know, we've been talking about the three thing for forever, so I feel like we're beating a dead horse. But if it, if it happens that he can't finish it in the at, at the paint, wow! I tried to say at the rim and in the paint at the same time, and that happened. Um, he can't finish at the rim anymore, or his mid ranger stops falling like it did this weekend. That's when my eyes pop and I start worrying a little bit. But you know, I, again, like I did with um, sheesh, I just did this to somebody else. Uh, Turner, I'll give him more than two games to uh, fully judge these struggles. Yeah, and I think with Collison back in the starting lineup, you're starting to see him just play a little better in general. It looks a little little better. You know, I don't think the stats quite show it. He hasn't really had one of those big points games yet, but I feel like with Collison in, he just things are opening up just a little bit more for him, and I think we'll start to see that more as they, they you know, he keeps playing more games with him. I want nothing more than Pat McCaw to guard him tonight and Vic to have 40 in Golden State. Yeah, I mean. The thing is, Vic, you know, even without, you know, even with his bad three-point percentage, he still has has had some pretty good games since he got yeah. an injury. I mean, he had that huge game against Boston earlier in the year. I mean, he still put up like 22 a game. Like, it's honestly, the question is, is, is somebody better off taking his shots, basically, is what you have to determine. And I'm not sure they are because he is such a threat still, even if he's not shooting that well. Like, they're not going to just not guard him anymore because I think if he's wide open, he's going to be able to hit his jumper. It's just... 
he's getting a lot of contested, taking a lot of contested shots, and that's why it's been probably a little bit worse. Exactly. I agree with all that. And that's a good point that people don't often talk about is like, all right, if he's not shooting, who is now? And Turner would be an obvious candidate, but he's been struggling these last two games too. So, you know, Collison can hit his shots, but he's, you know, he's been the victim or beneficiary, I guess is a better word, of Vic's good play too. So they'll have to they'll have to figure out if they do shift that way, but I don't think they will. I think they'll let Vic keep doing his thing. Yeah, and if you watch the offense sometimes where I would say Vic needs to recognize when he's a pass more if he's getting double teamed. But the thing is sometimes he'll pass out of the double team, but then the team's defense will recover quick enough, and then you're just back to Vic isolation again when they figure everything out. So sometimes you have to just take that contested 15-foot jumper, and Vic, who's maybe shooting a little worse, maybe he's shooting – I think he's shooting 45% from the field, so maybe it's a little worse than the 50% he was shooting before. But it's still better than watching Thaddeus Young shoot a bunch of threes the entire game or what Darren Collison get double, you know, have a guy in his face and try to shoot. Vic is better than anybody else, so just let him keep shooting almost. Exactly. Um, but you know who he's not better at than at shooting? Your boy who, boy. If, you, if you've noticed, almost every time Vic has a bad game, Bojan <laughs> has a good game. Like it's just a, a, a counterbalance. He steps. He steps in and fills the void of Vic's bad shooting to help the team win. The uh, the Clippers and Wesley Johnson did not have a fun time guarding Bojan at all. Um, they were really heavy on on shifting on Vic drives to try to stop the drive, and Bojan was just sliding into the right spots, hitting his shots, getting to the rim. Uh, and then in Miami, kept it right up, forty percent from three that game on the week uh, or on the weekend, five of eleven from three, and he had. Uh, 46 points in those two games. Team high by a, 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 like 11, plus 19 against the Clippers, plus two in the in the close win over the Heat in overtime. He has he was huge this weekend. So don't quote me on this stat because I just did it. I just did it in my head. Um, but I believe the Pacers are 10 and two when Bojan scores 20 or more points. I already tweeted it. So that's the right stat. <laughs> I'm I, I, you said don't quote you, but I was gonna ruin it. Okay, no, is oh, oh I got I got I mean, <laughs> okay. I missed the joke there. Wow. Sorry guys. Um they're, they're ten and two. I think they're ten and two with the one loss against Atlanta, the other loss coming to Washington when Vic didn't play. But it just shows when Bojan is playing well how almost not unbeatable this team is, but just they're at that next level almost. You got the spacing, they get the efficient shooting, you know, he supplies a lot and he they should you know, they won two games that they didn't play particularly great in uh this weekend, thanks to his, like you just said, great shooting. So, yeah, good for him. I hope that keeps up in the postseason, that's for sure. Can you imagine if at, just for like two weeks, if Collison, Bogdanovich, Vic, and Turner all ended up on the same schedule of just like peakness? Oh, like, like, like if that they'd happened. Score 140. They'd score 140 every game. They could, that could just happen for like three weeks in April. That would be the best. I don't know if it will, and it probably won't, but that could just happen at one moment. I mean, we've seen like just every, you know, we've seen the flash of Vic where he goes for like, I think going for 30, almost like 30 points a game in the time of the December. And then the, the like the five or six game miles turn around and the Bojan's run for a couple, you know, earlier this month. Like it just, they get to go together one time, just one time yeah. for a nice like six or seven game stretch. They would be almost just unstoppable in the playoffs. Yeah, they could beat a lot of teams. They could beat the Raptors if they all got the same yeah, under the same schedule. They could. If they get good Lance too, oh. Yeah, that, that's asking too much though. <laughs> uh, I, I know. I want to talk about before. Oh, go ahead. I interrupted you. No, I was, I was saying it's probably just like stupid to say, yeah, if everybody's hot, you're going to win. But like we've seen it from everybody at all. So We'd rather I, have good Lance for a whole series, guaranteed every game, or Bojan shooting 50% from three, guaranteed every game. Bojan. I agree. Because he'll he'll take like 10 threes a game then. Yeah. That's 15 easy points. Good he, good Lance is like 10 points. He's the only guy on the Pacers who takes heat checks, and I love heat checks. Even though I never go in, they're just so much fun. He's gotten better, though, for taking like the – I think it's a 25-foot three-point shot where he's yeah, a little well, he farther out than the – he, He's so good at like – he always does something positive right when he catches it, right? So when he heat checks, he catches and he looks at his defender's feet, and you know right away he's about to pull like a 28-footer. No, and you know he's going to miss when he, like, takes too much time to set up. Yes, yes. Like, he's really just better if he gets the ball and just does his motion. When yes. he gets the ball and tries to reset his feet and get the ball straight, he always misses. Oh, yeah, I noticed that, too. I need to, I need to write about that. Um, I don't know how you track thing. that, though. I know. I don't either. Last thing before we preview two incredibly excited games. Um, <laughs> Glenn Robinson, after not playing in the game, I cannot remember who he didn't play against last week. For the life of me. Um, I'm going to point out to Lakers. 
My, yes, after not playing in that Lakers game, um, we well, I talked about really blowing out the Lakers basically, right? They were up. I don't remember. Did I talk about this with you or by myself that his role was kind of we did it a little bit last week where we kind of thought he might be out of the playoff rotation? Yeah, so he played 11 minutes against the Clippers. Um, it was okay, I guess he was just kind of there. Uh, they stuck him in the corner a ton that game and just let everything happen around him. And then using his floor spacing is kind of hard when he doesn't shoot threes at all. Um, but then against the Heat, he had his best game of the year. Finally, uh, it seems like he's coming somewhat around. And my favorite part of the, the Heat game is that he played 14 minutes. So maybe he's getting back into the playoff rotation. Who knows? But uh, he made both his threes, eight points, plus 11 team high. Um, he was actually super massive in that victory. So, you know, I, I wrote for this section for us, GR3's dwindling role. And it seems like he's going to have the least minutes of any rotation player in the playoffs. But if he can be as effective as he was in the Heat game, maybe we're just stupid. So yeah, we with him first. Before I, I have another, I have two points, but the first one I'll hit yeah. first is against the Heat. I finally saw a little bit of that athleticism. I think it was against yes. Heat, where he had a play where he went to the rim, he ran the full court, got the pass, and basically he didn't dunk it, but he kind of did like an over the rim layup, so close enough to a dunk. Where he finally saw him have that little burst that we remember from before, which is good. But also with him, it's balancing. You know, the Trevor Booker, him. Sabonis comes back. Do you play nine guys in the playoffs? Do you play 10 guys in the playoffs? Like it's all this kind of balancing with him. And that's why I worry he might not play in the playoffs. Yes, exactly. Um, he's very situational, which I am a fan of, but yeah, if he played like he did again, that he, I saw in the heat game too, he was cutting a lot more. That's what I noticed. Um, if we get more of that. I think we'll be elated with the Glenn Robinson. We get if he plays at all in the playoffs. So this was supposed to be about his dwindling role, but he played well against the heat. Maybe we're just moot point here. Well, the thing is, though, with Robinson and Booker, you have the unique ability that you can play. You can either go stretch a stretch four unit, kind of a stretch four in Robinson, or you can go traditional four with Booker, and you have the ability to sort of base on the match. I really don't like Booker at the four, man. I don't like it. So you'd rather Booker at the, at the five? The way he's been yeah. Kind of yeah. I mean, uh, you, you know, have, he's, he's looked best without Savonis out because he's playing five, you know. Uh, he's okay at the four. It's just like it's not the way the league's going. But I don't know. But situationally, I mean, if 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 a team oh, tries sure. to pull, that's sure. what I mean. And also, you have Booker as the backup five when this will happen. At least one playoff game, Turner will get three fouls. Then Sabonis will get three fouls, and with six minutes <laughs> up in the second quarter, we'll have to play either Al Jefferson or Booker. And at least playing Booker is not as fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're not as screwed as if we don't play. If we play Al Jefferson, where if he can't score, we're dead. Of course, if we play the Sixers, Jefferson might just might just school and beat a couple times, and that would be great. I would love a, a playoff moment like that. Finals MVP, Al Jefferson. Coming up soon. <laughs> oh, man, I do not want to talk about the Kings. But we we're going to talk about the game coming up on Friday again, or Thursday against the Sacramento Kings. So, the, the Kings, Adam. Uh, the Kings stink. Um, everything about the Kings stinks. They've stunk for forever. Uh, I actually am going to go backwards here. I usually have a team's page up, but I'm going to tell you, the Kings win totals since 2008-2009. Okay, are you ready? Are you sitting down? I mean, I'm not going to be shocked, but I'm ready. Right. Starting in 2008-2009, 17, 25, 24, 22, 28, 28, 29, 33, 32, 24. What a sad, sad stretch of Kings basketball we are in the middle of. You know what's even sadder? What? There's basically only one player that have gotten probably picking the top five or ten every year that have any <laughs> any name worth. I'm look up their picks, but it's basically Cousins. That's it. Cousins. I mean, maybe Fox this year. We'll see what happens. But nobody you would say, oh, I want that guy on my team. And that's sad when you pick that. I think Stein's okay. He's okay. Yeah, but like Cousins is the only guy that's like, when you pick that one's in the top five and you don't hit once or like once or twice on superstars, like Boogie, you kind of did, but you blew that basically. Like the Pacers picked like ten for a bunch of times and they were able to hit on like Granger and George and Miller at 13. Like, it's just crazy that kind of the difference between the two organizations. Yeah, whoever the Kings pick is just not a good pick. <laughs> and you know it too. You know it when they yeah, go in. Yeah, a lot of times it's like, oh, that was dumb. What was that oh. guy, Papianis, the other year? Oh my gosh, that was horrible. Yeah, I mean, like they pick guys like so. Marquis Chris, they picked eight. Kyle's done fine. No, they, they traded. Me. Well, they they did a good thing with that Chris pick because they got uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich out of it. But they also picked Nick Stauskas and Ben McLemore, who <laughs> I'm not sure even plays in the league anymore. You got Thomas Robinson, the guy out of Kansas, who. Also doesn't play in the league anymore. They took Bismack, but then they didn't. I don't think they, 
they like released him right away. They 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 took Isaiah Thomas, but they got rid of him. Like you just know if you get picked by the Kings, you're gonna stink until you leave the Kings, then you have a shot at making it in the NBA. That's what Papianis' agent said after they cut him. They were like, dude, he would have been fine if he got drafted anywhere but the Kings. Literally anywhere but Sacramento and you're okay. And it's it's the problem is there's not even any like future there. Like, did it get any better? Like is it what do you what do you think is the Yes, I don't think they ever get better uh, this year or next year because I don't have a first-round pick in 2019. So um, what do you think is the best number for them between their pace, their offensive rating, and their defensive rating? What is their best rank out of 30 in the whole league? What do you think? Uh, well, I just looked, so <laughs> I was I was going to the numbers, but I, I, if I had a guess, I would have said they were 25 in one of the categories. Yeah, I would, yeah I would too. You, 28th in pace, 28th in defense, and 29th in offense. Well, actually, Tony, they're 20th in attendance. Oh, that's impressive. Good for so them. What it says on B-Ball Ref. The goal I don't know. One center. Yes. Um, I guess pace doesn't really matter if you're slow. It is what it is. The paces are the slowest team in the league since, uh, like, I can't remember when. January 1. Yeah. JJ tweeted all this today. That was in my article last week. So just so people know, I was I had the stat first. I beat Chris Herring. Herring had the stat, too. I beat Chris Herring to the stat, too. Yeah, so they're slow now, but the Kings are, too. Well, we used to say all these Pacers games were going to be fast-paced, but they're not. That is a, a lot. The thing is, is, they don't feel slow, do they? No, because people have them a bad perception of what slow is. I, I've tweeted about this a million times because it frustrates me. Fast break is like a transition. That's a thing that happens, and that is a fast possession. I put air quotes up just now. But that's not what, like pace is like if you shoot with like five seconds left on the shot clock every time your pace is going to be really low because there's not going to be a lot of possessions so that's what it is more heavily influenced by is half court offense speed not your like one in ten possessions that are transition possessions also we can agree the benefits of the pace of being able to play a half court defense at a slow down rate is so much more beneficial than the offensive payback yes. from running pace like their defense is so much better when they get set it's so much better their slow pace from that set defense leads to fast break points and they're good at those so maybe it's a thing but which is like weird because they sort of run the same defense they used to run when they had the had roy hibbert because they have a similar player miles turner that has the same kind of skill sets but the one difference is turner can hit the three-point shot and that sort of changes them every dynamic Hates it when the ball gets in the middle of the court, and I like that's my favorite defensive strategy. It's not his like mo, like a lot of coaches is, but it's it's up there on his list. Like, do not let the ball get in the middle. Um, what do you what do you mean by you hate it? Like like, what do you mean by get in the middle of the court? So that's like the goal of a lot of offensive sets is like get the ball going towards the rim in the middle of the court, or like get the ball at the free throw line in the middle of the court so you can pass out or like help has to come or stuff like that in the middle. Like if you're driving baseline, help can come later or can only come from one side. Um, but if you come from the middle, you know, you have to go from two sides. Um, so, so coaches try to avoid that. And McMillan's scheme, scheme of defense and switching and the way they hedge often tries to force the ball away from the middle. Yeah, and it probably works because it, if you force the ball on the outside, you have to make a harder pass, and they've got really good ability to cut off passing lines with Thaddeus Young and Vic's hands. The young, like you learn that in like seventh grade basketball, is the out of bounds line is basically another defender, and McMillan uses it very well. Um, but the Kings stink, and that's why we're not talking about the Kings. We're talking about other stuff. Uh, Garrett Temple is one of their better players. He's injured. Iman Shumpert, one of their better players, injured. Zach Randolph, one of their better players. Gastro – I can't even read that. Gastroenteritis, so that's called – I'm not a doctor. I wouldn't know either. Uh, I'm guessing that's just called – he has a tankitis or something like that. <laughs> Probably. He doesn't. He's not been playing recently. Harry Giles has been out all year, so can't say anything about that, but – some of their best players are hurt, so they stink even more. Um, they're just bad, and there's not, you know, the, the the Pacers smoked them way earlier in the year when they weren't as good, and the Kings had healthy players. And I, this game's gonna not be fun. I mean, their starting lineup's gonna be like De'Aaron Fox, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Justin Jackson, Scalabissier, and Willie Cauley Stein. Like the what the closest matchup there for them? Bogdanovich being close to as good as our Bogdanovich, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's somewhere on the bench. Like Buddy Hill. Yeah, Buddy Hill's pretty good. Buddy Hill being on Lance's level, basically. <laughs> He's better, but that's just because he hasn't turned it over a million times a game. Also, he gets he gets the free will to just like try to score as much as he wants because they don't do anything. But the good thing about this game is that we probably don't have to stay up for the whole game. We don't have what? We don't have to stay up for the whole game. Oh, I know. 10, oh, 10.30, I assume, or 10 o'clock on the West Coast. If you're a Pacer fan, you can probably skip this one. If you got a busy day on Friday at work, only at ten. It's only at ten, not ten thirty, like this Warriors one. Um, 
But if you're if you're a Pacers fan and you got work on Friday, you can probably skip this game. Yes. I know as I say this, they'll probably lose the game. And <laughs> now that I said that, but so you, can, you can probably skip it. Justin Jackson uh, is not a very good basketball player, and he starts for them, so I don't think they're going to lose. Can uh, I, he's can a rookie. I so I, I, he what? Can I give you? My, can I give you my butcher? Uh, is it like rest or like a road trip or something? No, I I have a player. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think it's going to be Buddy Hield off the bench. Okay, that's fine. He's probably the most consistent bench player they have. He's had five games, five of the last six games of 20 points or more. Probably going to score. He might score 20 again. They seem like they're playing him a lot. They played him between 25 and 30 minutes every game. Yeah. Yeah, He's. I like Buddy Heald. Uh, I liked Buddy Heald last year, too. He's just not, like, worth picking number six because I don't know how he gets, like, No, so and he's not worth being the centerpiece of a DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> that, that's where you really went wrong. No, he is not. No, they got the tenth pick too, which they turned into uh, Harry Giles and uh, Justin Jackson. Right, they traded the tenth pick. No, they could have taken Donovan Mitchell there, and they didn't. <laughs> no, that'd be the that'd be the right thing to do. Um, yeah. The Kings never do the right thing. But yeah, I don't know if I ha- like Scal. I like Scal a lot, but he hasn't been like that. I mean, he's actually shooting forty percent from three. Scal's been good from deep, and not as good inside this year as he was his rookie year. But I like Scal. Um, I just don't think he has like a tool that will make him dominate that or anything. I don't really have a butcher. Like maybe De'Aaron Fox, like finally starts hitting his three or like Justin Jackson gets hot randomly, but like no one really scares me. And Sacramento's only an hour from the Bay area. So it's not like travel's a big deal. I don't Like there's nothing that would really like tear apart the Pacers in this game besides themselves. Like they just can't have to play their game. I had yeah. just, like, I just had my least favorite announcer cliche. It would be the only issue would be if they stay in San Francisco I guess they'll probably end up at Sacramento Wednesday night. I say if they stay in San Francisco Wednesday night, they're hungover. That'd be the biggest <laughs> worry. But this team doesn't, doesn't get hungover. It seems like they don't. They don't have like they're not a bunch of partiers because they're a bunch of young guys. Like like I don't. I guess Turner is over twenty one now. He's twenty two. It's a bonus. He's turned twenty one recently. So, but you know, I don't think they have like a huge amount of partiers. It feels like they don't think they do either. Like, <laughs> they're kind of. They're probably kind of the nerds of the NBA, but because they it's like Sabonis can't go out and EK can't go out, they're just like, sorry guys, let's hang on. Well, and like Vic talks about it, he really likes just going to team dinners with guys. Like that's like like yeah. he loves that, and it, it's it's the way they are. Vic seems Wilkins, like he's a very serious guy sometimes. Good job, good job, Wilkins. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vic seems like he's sort of like a a funny guy on the side, but like is kind of serious when it comes to like basketball basketball and stuff like that but it's like kind of the jokester at the at dinner but like is serious about getting good night's sleep and getting into practice on time yeah that's i hope that's the case that's what i get the impression of too maybe yeah uh if garrett temple plays he's my butcher if not i don't have one yeah i, I guess that's a fine butcher garrett if, temple would be nice on the pacers next year is he a free agent he is a player option at eight million dollars so he probably will not be a free agent but if he opts hey, out not gonna, <laughs> I mean, couldn't he get the mid-level from any team or no? Probably not, right? Probably not. Because that's what it is, basically. But it's like <laughs> I could go not to Sacramento. <laughs> that's, that's honestly might be worth it. You know, he said, all right, I'll leave Sacramento and spend – get a two-year, $8 million deal. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's good. I like him. Um, But later date. Yeah, I just – no one on the Kings is good. I think, uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox will get there on defense someday because he was good in college, but Collison's going to kill him. Um. Vic can kill literally whoever guards him. There's just this might be the forty point Vic game finally. <laughs> really, like anyone could really have a good game, but no, it's not going to be a forty point Vic game because I think they're going to be at twenty in the middle of the third quarter and they're going to knock. Oh, no, fair. This might be a game where Lance has a lot of points. Yes, it goes off for fun because as good as Buddy Heald is, he can't guard that chair. So <laughs> that's 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 mean to Buddy Heald, but whatever. <laughs> Sorry. It's Oklahoma guards, man. Trey Young's about to be awesome in the NBA, but he can't guard a chair either. Oh, you know what? Trey Young's going to end up on the, the Kings 100%. <laughs> it feels that way to me. Oh, uh, what would be the most Kings pick in this draft? Trey, uh, Trey, Trey Young, if they didn't have a top five pick. No, I, yeah, I was going to say, uh, he'd, be, he'd be if they had like, they'd, he'd be the, the most Kings pick if they picked like three. That, that, yeah, that, that's what I meant. A top, a top five pick. No, no, no. They were inside. <laughs> like, it's just a little too high for him. No, the most Kings pick would be Miles Bridges, I think. Or, I mean, honestly, like Mo Bamba, maybe. No, like, Mo Bamba's good, dude. I like Mo Yeah, Bamba. but like to add like a nine center. Yeah. <laughs> That's right true. Now, when you lease ah, oh, my computer's trying to yell at me. Tony could get an ad. Yeah, I don't know. The Kings are embarrassing. We'll have yeah. to do draft picks eventually. That'll be fun. 
Um, we uh, don't need to do a score. I'll, I'll spoil it. I want to win. so bad, but we'll see. When will, he, will, will he fall to 22? <laughs> yeah, 20, 22-ish. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would love if, if like, one of those guys in the top 10 are now falls to, like, 22. That would be the guy to pick. I don't know who it is right now, but one of those guys could just start falling. Like, if Trey Young just started falling because people – it, it would be Miles Bridges. Be my, that's what I was thinking. It'd be Miles Bridges, which he I love to have. But he could he could uh, provide impact right now. No, let's uh let's draft uh, Jalen Brunson and call it a draft. Um, I think the Pacers win this game by twenty. Done. No more Kings. Yeah, I'm fine <laughs> with that. Let it be known we couldn't find a Kings guy to do a preview. That's how I'm. I'm gonna keep trying, but uh, yeah, the the prospects are not looking good. If not, you might hear me and Tony doing another Kings preview. You're a listener and you roasting them. If you are a listener and you think you are fairly knowledgeable about the NBA and you would like to talk with me about the Kings for 15 minutes, uh, just DM me at Teased NBA. I'd be happy to have you be my Kings guy. But, I mean, do you remember the first Kings game? I had Cam Stewart on because Cam's really smart, but Cam's a Pacers guy, not a Kings guy. So The first Kings game, that's when they – October. They won like, in like <laughs> 103 to like 86, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was ugly. It was super ugly. It was like, a, like lower scoring than we thought it was going to be, but it, they won it, so it didn't matter. Uh, They're so- up by a lot all the, the whole game. The Clippers, um, if you'll recall, Luke's hand nailed it in his prediction. He said if the Clippers score 110, they'll win. If the Pacers score 110, the Pacers will win. The Pacers scored a 109 and won because the Clippers did not score 110, so he was literally right on the nose with that number. <laughs> that was pretty awesome to me. Um, but that's been their thing since the Blake Griffin trade. Uh, their offense is amazing. They're up to seventh in the league now. Uh, sixth in pace, 18th in defense. But uh, they're really good on offense. When they score a lot, they win. Uh, it sounds obvious, but it's really been the pattern for them. Tobias Harris, number six against the Pacers. Uh, what are you looking at in this one? Well, I have one player I really want to watch because I'm in the finals of my fantasy basketball right now, <laughs> and the lovely Lou Williams is on. Is starting my roster this week, so I have one guy I want to score. You know, he scored 27 last time. That, that helped me out. If he had a 30-point game, I wouldn't be mad. I mean – I can't explain it. Like, what are the? I don't know. Like, Tobias Harris just loves the, playing the Pacers. Just loves Except he he was not good at the end of the game. He missed a no. shot. No, he was not. He was great the whole rest of the game. Yeah, no, but it, when it mattered most, the Pacers finally got to him. Finally, it took forever. They the, the Clippers starters really didn't stink. Besides Wesley Johnson, he was really bad. And when he played Harris thirty nine minutes, that shows how much he thinks Harris can beat the Pacers. <laughs> like, there's something about that. He does. Yeah, Lou Williams had a good game too. Um, but the Clippers are really strange because their top like seven guys really are pretty solid, um, especially when they're healthy. But then they have like their end of bench guys are Jawoon Evans, Jawan. I don't even know how to say that. Um, Sam Decker, who's just like a guy, and uh, Cinderius Thornwell, who has an awesome name and actually was really good on defense that first Pacers game. But he's uh, his name is Cinderius Thornwell. If you're hearing that for the first time, I would not be surprised. I think it's Jawan Evans and. Sam, I love, you know, Sam Decker, Wisconsin guy from the that team with Frank Kaminsky almost back in the day. Finals, almost a championship team, yeah. Yeah, they should have won that championship when they lost to that yeah. Duke team back in Indianapolis in 2015. They played really well against Kentucky, but they did not uh, not have a chance against Duke. Yeah, so we played the Clippers. The Pacers played the Clippers pretty recently, so. Makes this easy. Yeah, I mean, we did a preview of this. That's why I brought up the last game, just because it bleeds into the next game. I still think Tobias Harris is the butcher because – Something about his play style just caters really well against the way the Pacers play. And it really just caters to Thad Young not playing defense <laughs> against him. Most I don't of know it. how. I don't know why though, because there are other guys who play like Tobias Harris who don't kill the Pacers. Yeah, and we even talked about this game with Bojan, so we don't need to talk about that that much either. Some more, but uh, Lance had a good game off the bench. I thought. Oh, he did. He did have a nice game, um, and I like when he has a nice game because that usually means the Pacers are going to win. Uh, yeah, if he shoots over fifty percent. I will take the Pacers a lot. And he was 5 of 6 from not three-point range. which is huge. Yeah, and his plus minus was a little off. That's because Lou Williams had such a good game. But, you know, yes. Lou Williams is going to put up 20 probably. He does every night, it feels like. Yeah, he, he's a great – he's a professional scorer, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, he's the perfect guy to really – he's the best version of, like, a bench guy. Like, yeah. if you could replace him in Lancer now, it would make the Pacers just that much better. Wow. He just can go out and score all the goddamn time. So, in that, uh, in that Clippers game – Bojan's true shooting percentage was 76%. Wow. That's crazy. And that, yeah, you really uh, knew that because what, what was Vic's true shooting percentage? Because it was pretty bad. 46. So, really? It was 46 still? I guess you take his three-point shots, yeah. No, his free throws helped him there. Yeah, that's what it was. Free throws. 
boosted him up. Um, but again, we said this earlier, Wesley Johnson, not a good defender. So Boyan could have another good game uh, and he will be my X factor for that reason. So, um, and when he's, when another thing, when Wes subs out, they either kind of have Austin rivers at the three or kind of Lou Williams. And neither of those guys are particularly great on defense either. So I like Boyan's chances of another good game. Yeah, I actually like Miles Turner a little bit. What's crazy is Miles didn't actually, didn't actually get that killed bad. by DeAndre. He, well, he was bad on offense, but he good on the glass. Yeah, like he didn't. I would say he didn't get killed in the glass. Yeah, but Jordan, Jordan only had me eleven rebounds, but yes. Jordan averaged eleven rebounds in his sleep. It seems like, but he, <laughs> he didn't like super kill on defense. He wasn't good offensively, but if he like it is almost every time we do this podcast, I talk about Turner. It's if he hits his first couple threes, and he can just change the dynamic of the game because it forces the center to guard him really, and that changes everything. Yeah, um, it was weird that he shot so badly because I thought he would do better stretching DJ out. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. And he, he back, he boxed out really well, even though he only had two rebounds, like Thad had 10, you know, like it, the ball bounced the right way a lot and they were able to do their thing, but yeah, he did do fine. Uh, Deandre didn't miss a shot, but he never misses a shot. It's crazy how efficient he is. Yeah. Deandre, the kind of guy you have to team rebound. Yeah. He's the kind of guy you got to push him out of the paint and let the other guy come and clean up for it. Cause he's so big. I mean, he might be, he's probably the biggest NBA player. Uh, And the Clippers had only 33 total rebounds. That's crazy. Yeah, with Deanna, with, with Deanna Jordan, that is insane. Yeah. But it's why the Pacers actually won, won this game. game. What a well, it's why they won the game. They yeah, outran them by eight. They, uh, yeah, they killed them on the glass. And the second highest to total rebounds on the Clippers was four. And it was Lou. <laughs> That's you know what's also crazy is the Pacers took 17 more shots than them. Also, I have to eat crow here. Um, I tweeted during the All-Star break when Lou Williams couldn't get the pass in the skills challenge. Uh hilarious that Lou Williams can't pass and then he had 10 assists. So it's because I tweeted that, that he had a lot of assists. <laughs> it's too bad you weren't, you weren't in the stand for this game. He probably, probably would have had 15 just to I know, me. I know. Um, he has your tweet up on the wall and is like, this kid. You have a, you have a, <laughs> you have a butcher outside of Tobias? Uh, no. I like. I mean, I said Williams a little bit, but Tobias is the guy that, to watch. This is the, we talked about it, I think, when they played last time. This is the sixth time they've played Tobias Harris ridiculous I, I talked to lucas about that he's like it's probably better that you're not playing blake and i was like one would think but harris no to buy harris kills this team <laughs> uh we all I remember did what he did against did against them in detroit earlier this year he just murdered them i did my score prediction already for the kings so you're you're going now um i think the Pacers win this one probably mm-hmm. another f- between five or ten point win i don't think it's a huge blow up i think they pull it out because they want it more because the clippers are really out of playoff condition basically and indiana needs to win like we said at least seven in the last eight of the win all eight to kind of get the four, three, four games. So yep. I think they care more. Yeah, it'll be interesting. The Clippers are really pushing for that playoff spot. So I, I don't, I think they're going to try, but I'm not sure. They're two. How many games out are they? I'm going to look it up real quick. Only two. I think it's only two. And the, and the Timberwolves look very vulnerable after losing to Memphis. I guess I was thinking, I was thinking Utah was the eight right now. I thought they're no way they're catching Utah. Utah just seems like they're on freaking fire. No. Well, okay. They're really only three and a half out of fifth. Like, <laughs> It's crazy how tight the West is. I know, but I just feel like every team that's in the playoffs right now is in not going to blow it. Like I don't, I don't think. Maybe the only one I can see. I usually think it'd be New Orleans, but then they went on that crazy streak, and now I, I think. They're in. And Davis is playing at a whole nother level. And we saw that when they when the Pacers played him last week. He's top, just top four MVP guy. Yeah, and that's why I think Giannis could be in the playoffs too, which scares me. Yeah. So I yeah I I wish we could talk about the West a lot because I think uh, Portland, Oklahoma City. New Orleans, San Antonio, and Utah are in. So it's really three teams for one spot to me. Yeah. I think OKC is probably you said you say them or no? Oh, for sure. They're for sure in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I think they're for sure a top four seed now. So you think the top seven are locked. It's really just whoever the gets four, the eight seed. Yeah. I think order might change. Seven, but I think the top seven are locked, and I think three to seven could finish in any order. And then um mini Denver LA Clippers for the last spot. Yeah, you're probably right. Portland's playing really well too, though. Really they, they, yeah. Because then we avoid well. Except Portland, here's the thing. So like off twice in many ways. I love this. This is our banter for the episode. If uh if Portland played San Antonio in the first round, I'd pick San Antonio every time. That's weird because I would lean that way too. But also, <laughs> if Utah plays anybody, I think they can beat anybody. Utah's think, not that good right now. If Utah gets to six or five, I think they'll absolutely yeah. be serious. And if Golden State is like down Curry and down no, another one of their big four. Let's say let's say Durant doesn't come back. He'll be back. Let's say, let's say he gets hurt again. Like he's gonna play in this game. I know Durant was gonna be fine. 
they, they're probably fine, but they definitely make it harder on Golden State than it really yes. they thought it would yes. be. It's probably a, a six-game series. I thought last year Utah gave them trouble and they swept them, so I know nothing. Yeah, the Warriors are the kind of team where they, they get trouble, but they win every one of the games they're in trouble. Yes. They, they just because they're that good. They like they're just so good at the end of the game, it doesn't matter. They have not clinched the two seed yet. Uh Portland could win out and and I knock them off that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't see that happening. Not but, out of uh, question. <laughs> but I guess if if Minnesota falls out of the playoffs, that'd be hugely disappointing. Yeah. But the Pacers well, have a chance to help them out. Because, because if Jimmy Butler doesn't get hurt, they're in for sure. But but the Pacers can help them out, right? They can beat the Pacers play Denver and the Clippers. They beat them yeah. both. They probably help Minnesota out, which, you know, I have a friend who Timberwolves fan. They deserve to make the playoffs. They're a really they good do. team, or they were they when Butler was healthy. They have not made it in forever. Yeah, that team's had such a dry spell in the playoffs. I know, know the Nuggets probably have too, and they have probably haven't made it since the year after Melo left and they won that 150 something. Well, games, and I think but. the Nuggets would be in if Millsap doesn't get hurt. So. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, but it's crazy. Like you say that now, but like think about it. Pelicans can say the same thing easily. <laughs> they, Pelicans, you know what I mean? If Pelicans get hurt, they Spurs should be up. Spurs can easily say that. Yeah, I mean, like there's there's just <laughs> like really the the bottom, like from what's it five to ten? There's four major injuries. Utah's the only one that have a major Gobert injury. Gobert got hurt too. Gobert is only going to play like fifty. Exactly, and Gobert missed a bunch of games. So really, <laughs> it's 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 just dealing with the injuries because. There's yeah. been so many. <laughs> They're such even teams. It's so exciting. I'm really excited to see how that shakes out. Yeah, I'm really excited. To, I'm really excited for the second round matchups, mainly because I want to see if OKC can really get to the second round and they get the Rockets a real chance. Because uh, yeah, they're good, man. I still uh, unpopular opinion on Pacers podcasts, but the Thunder are still really good. No, but if OKC gets gets to the West Finals, I think George stays. But if they get beat in the first round, like San Antonio or by Pelican, I think George is that would be an awesome first round series. Spurs Thunder would be awesome. I don't yeah, know who yeah. I think. If no Kawhi, I'll pick the Thunder for sure. But Kawhi's not playing. He doesn't think he wants to play basketball right now. <laughs> oh man. Some of that Woj stuff was kind of you see Larry Bird knew that Kawhi was lazy when he traded him away. Yeah. Because you wouldn't because <laughs> for sure right now you wouldn't take like a Kawhi Paul George renaissance of a Michael Jordan. <laughs> Scotty Pippen duo all over again. Lazy's the wrong word. Uh, whatever, but you know what I mean. He's not lazy. He's just probably like not a hundred percent, but not like injured enough that he can't play. But doesn't want to play. Can trust his injury, which is he's not playing a damn second until the Spurs offer him that designated player. You think that's what it is? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's what I think it is. It's. I think it's just a scary thing when a. I mean, it happens to athletes. It happens to human beings when you get hurt and you don't. You can't quite be 100%. I think the same having Andrew Luck right now, where yeah. he's probably at 80%, but can't quite get to 100 ever again or the same. But it's his 95%, whatever he's at, is still better than most guys, but he wants to be 100 again, and he's just trying to fight to get there, and he can't figure out how to get there. Hey, indirectly, thanks to Kawhi Leonard, we got a year of Jeff Teague, who no one liked. So that was cool. I mean, <laughs> a lot of things A lot of things would be different in history if they didn't. Indianapolis native Jeff Teague. Shout out to Marquise Teague for getting a 10 day from the Clipper or from the Grizzlies and apparently not taking it. That's weird. Could you imagine a defense, though, that involved Paul George, Roy Hibbert in his peak, and Ugh. Kawhi Leonard? No, I can't. I can't because we've never seen one that good. Okay, but just, just humor <laughs> me. It would, that would have been this. That, and George Hill. Oh. They, they might have that might have scared the wars enough to trade Clay Thompson for for uh, Kevin Love. <laughs> I mean that's that's what we think in the NBA. Everything is kind of plays like um builds on itself. One moment to another moment, so on, so on. But like there was a point where if the Pacers kind of model of Roy Hibbert and George was like that's the future of the NBA. Then the Warriors kept Thompson and that became the future. But there's a chance where if something else plays out and the Pacers let's say make a Finals run that. That first that 2012 and make a finals run, like they somehow up to the heat and make a run with Roy Hibbert, Kawhi Leonard, and George, that becomes the model for the future NBA team. There's it's a, like there, a huge center that can protect the rim. There's a world where Minnesota has Clay Thompson. That's awesome. And Carl Anthony Towns, that'd be fun. Yeah. I get what I thought they wouldn't have had Towns because they they probably been too good to draft Towns. They had Kevin Love and they got 40 wins. <laughs> they were bad. They were bad. Yeah, but I I don't know. We never seen Clay on his own team, so I don't, I don't want to speak for it. But I feel like I feel like Clay is a really stinkly could be a really good guy on his own team. I score forty points a game, kind of. I good. agree. I love but, Clay. All right, let's. Uh, 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 yeah. Next so we on lockdown Pacers. I'll talk about Clay Thompson every episode until he comes here. We agree that Pacers are going to win both games this week. Uh yes, that is we think mine. we think eh, Clippers won. Uh, maybe I think they'll destroy the Kings. 
So I don't know. <laughs> if you count the Warriors game that we haven't seen yet, I think they're going to win two. Is my number. Okay, I think they went. I think they went all three. I hope they win tonight against the Warriors. I hope they don't. Something weird that happened tonight where we end up having to like redo this podcast almost. Uh, but I would ask. Sorry. Yeah, knock knock on some wood. Nothing crazy happens. They pull out tonight's win, and like just a, just a normal fashion, normal easy win. Normal game against a JV team. A JV team coached by the second or third best coach in the NBA. Yes, agreed. Um, you got anything you would like to promote? Um, I'm writing an article. It's going to post on Wednesday or Thursday. I haven't written it yet, but I'm going to have to write it tonight on <laughs> Tuesday. If it's post by tomorrow, but I might might knock it out during tonight's game. Um, I'm going to break down. Patriots end of game plays. We've seen yeah. we talked about in this podcast some of the different things they're doing. I'm going to talk about that because I know Caitlin Cooper for Indy Cornrows, who I work with, um, did a whole article on the end of game patrol depot play. I'm going to talk about some of the counters to that and how the Pacers are yes. will need that in the playoffs. Good. Write about how predictable Nate McMillan is. Okay. Um, I don't need to write about it. We all know it. <laughs> I don't know what I have coming up. So, unfortunately, I have nothing to say. Read my thing about Sabonis struggling for a little bit. We haven't talked about that at all. But. Well, he's been hurt for now, like six games, so he's kind of well, pushed to the side. Before that, he uh, his shot selection was weird. But anyway, um, I got nothing. I will probably promote something on a later episode. Uh, that is it for this Wednesday edition of Locked On Pacers. If you want to check out the preview to that Warriors game you just missed, we had Mark Medina on. He was awesome. Um, you can follow Adam at FriedmanAdam5, me at TEastNBA, this podcast at Locked On Pacers. Everybody have a great Wednesday, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>